Hello, and welcome back to this podcast series, where we take a look at various different things in pharmacy and try to talk a bit about them without going much over the eight-minute mark. There's only so much pharmacy even the keenest can take in one go. So today, we're going to look at something that can be badged as critical appraisally, which is a summary of the common summary statistics that are used to summarise how effective treatments appear to be from papers and guidelines and things. Which can seem a bit academic and not what a patient-facing proper person might be interested in, But it is really key, because if you don't have a firm grasp of what they all mean, how can you explain what the potential benefits of treatment are? We're more than just paid readers of guidelines, so we should be prepared to ask questions about effectiveness. How good might a treatment be? How likely is it that a patient in front of you will see this benefit? And for this, we need to know about summary statistics. So the statistics we're going to talk about today are absolute and relative risk reductions, numbers needed to treat, and odds ratios. We're not going to go into great detail of how to work them out from raw numbers, because a podcast would be a terrible way to do this, and you can easily look the stuff up for yourself. But what we are going to try to talk about is what they mean and how they behave. If you have an odds ratio of 1.16, what does that actually mean? Is an odds ratio of 1.27 better? And if so, how much better? That sort of stuff. It's going to be a bit mathsy and a bit thinky, but sometimes that's a fun way to spend eight minutes. And if it turns out it's not fun for you, it is only eight minutes of your life you're giving up to find that out. And you might still find something useful from it, even if it's just a new way of looking at something you already knew. So first off, what are the summary statistics we're going to try to cover, and what order are we going to try and cover them in? Well, you can put them into a sort of sensible order by level of abstraction from the underlying data. What do we mean by that? Well, what we're trying to do is distill the narrative conclusion of a paper into a number that you can A. remember, B. compare to other things, C. explain to someone else succinctly, and D. if you're a statistician, do more maths on. The more manipulations you do, the further from the underlying data you travel, but the more maths you can do on it. Therefore, every summary statistic has a purpose. It just might not be the purpose that you have in mind for it. Somewhere, for every purpose, there's a Goldilocks zone summary statistic that is summarised just enough to be able to remember and explain the data, or do the maths you want to do with it, but not summarised so much that it's too divorced from the underlying data. So what is this level of abstraction hierarchy? Well, at the top is the raw data, the narrative description of the data. But this is hard to remember and hard to compare to other things. So the next step of abstraction is to take some of this away and distill to numbers alone. These are the absolute risks. 8% of people died on treatment X compared to 10% of people not on treatment X, for example. This is a good start, but you've got to remember and explain two numbers. So the next level of abstraction is to distill to just one number, the absolute risk reduction. This is how many people given this treatment will have a different outcome, and this is the difference between the absolute risks. In our example, 10% minus 8% is 2% of people given treatment X will have a different outcome. We like this number. The absolute risk reduction means something to most people and is kind of the question most people would ask given a chance. What's the chances this will make a difference to me? It also behaves quite normally. So it starts at minus 100%, the treatment actually makes things worse for everyone, goes through the this treatment does nothing point at zero, then goes through to plus 100% for the treatment that helps everyone. It's symmetrical with a midpoint of zero, which is really nice and understandable to pretty much everyone. 
So why not stop there? Well, we probably should. For most people, the absolute risk reduction is bang in the middle of the Goldilocks zone for understanding. But people who write papers and guidelines aren't most people. They're statisticians and data nerds. So we do need to cover the others as well, because you'll be assaulted by them regularly through your career. But before we go on, another summary statistic, the number needed to treat, needs to be covered. This is just the reciprocal of the absolute risk reduction, which is a fancy way of saying it's the same thing just flipped around. Instead of asking how many people out of 100 would benefit from treatment, it asks how many people you'd need to treat for one to benefit. Because it's just a rephrased absolute risk reduction, the number needed to treat sits firmly in the Goldilocks zone for understanding as well. And it's symmetrical again, so it behaves in a way that most people can understand. The scale's a bit weird. It runs from minus one, you treat one person to harm one person, through infinity in the middle, you could give the treatment to an infinite number of people and no one would benefit, to one at the top again, you treat one person for one person to benefit. Weird, but symmetrical. So we like it and can understand it. So moving on out of the Goldilocks zone, we get to the relative risk reduction. We get there by removing the background incidence from the absolute risk reduction. This can be useful in that it lets you use the value in different settings with different background risks, but it adds a level of abstraction that people can struggle to keep up with. To put in plain English, the absolute risk reduction asks, of all the people we give this, how many will benefit? Whereas the relative risk reduction asks, of all the people who would have had a problem, how many will benefit? Subtle, but an important difference. In the original data, the absolute risk reduction was 2%, 10 minus 8. But the relative risk reduction is how much of the risk has been removed, which is 20% of the risk, 10 minus 8, divided by 10. Which gives a good example of why we don't like risk reductions for explaining things. It's expressed as a percentage, so it looks like an absolute risk reduction, and is often misrepresented as such. And it's also usually a bigger number, so gives people the impression that drugs are better than they are. It also, for the maths nerds, doesn't behave nicely. Its midpoint is zero, and high point is plus 100%, exactly like the absolute risk reduction. So you can be tricked into thinking it's behaving. But its low point isn't minus 100%, it's technically minus infinity. Relative risk reductions don't behave like you think they do. Definitely outside of our Goldilocks zone. So then the last one, and unfortunately the most commonly seen summary statistic, is the odds ratio. This is a whole world of evil, unless you're a statistician. In summary, it works based on odds, like in horse racing, and turns it into a ratio. That's pretty much all we'll say on the mechanics, as you'll never need to work one out unless you're a statistician. And if you're a statistician, you already know how. However, how they behave is useful to know. So the worst drug in the world, kills everyone when everyone would have survived, would have an odds ratio of infinity. A rubbish drug that does nothing has an odds ratio of 1. 1 is the line of nothing happens. And the best drug in the world that saves everyone would have an odds ratio of 0. So the scale runs from 0 to infinity with a midpoint of 1. Or the other way around, depending on how you do the maths. So very, very non-symmetrical, apart from in a specific mathsy way using logarithms, which isn't how normal people think. The one takeaway is that the no effect value is 1, and the further away from this, the more different the effects of the two treatment options are. But beyond that, we couldn't hazard a guess. And you should never quote a statistic you can't explain. So don't quote odds ratios. So where does that leave us? 
possibly gently confused. The take-home message is that all summary statistics serve a purpose, but for our purposes, which is normally about explaining how good or bad a treatment is, something like the absolute risk reduction is in our Goldilocks zone. It's this treatment does nothing line is at zero, and the range is symmetrical around this. It behaves how most people naturally think. The relative risk reduction is a bit of a false friend. It lets you do some more mathsy stuff, but at the expense of understandability. But because of the way it pretends to behave, this treatment does nothing, line at zero, maximum at plus 100%, it tries to pretend that it means the same as the absolute risk reduction, which it doesn't. If someone quotes a big percentage risk reduction at you, be suspicious that it's a relative rather than an absolute risk reduction. And finally, odds ratios. The does nothing line for odds ratios, or any ratio, is at 1, which is useful to know, but it's so abstracted from the underlying data that though it's beautiful for maths, it's terrible for explaining things. Odds ratios are only used by statisticians and perverts, or people trying to demonstrate how clever they are. Hope this has been a useful refresher, and see you next time for something less mathsy. Thanks, and don't use odds ratios.